Hey everyone, Lou Mavs here from the Music is Live podcast with a really important question. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get Music is Life off the ground, I had a lot of questions, such as how do I record an episode, how do I get my show into all the apps that people like to listen, and how do I make money from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is real simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. This means that you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. Since I started my YouTube channel, I've been able to edit the audio on iMovie and then bump into Anchor and distribute it on the podcast to everybody. And I still use Anchor to record audio-only podcasts. So if you always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me, Lou Maz of the Music is Live podcast, and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Looking for some new podcasts to listen to? Well, Rat Sound Review Network has plenty of shows to choose from. Like Rat Sound Review, where they discuss the latest rock and metal news, as well as interviews and albums. Album vs. Album, the King Diamond Podcast, with Wayne Noon, Greg Noggle, and sometimes this guy. Smack him a gob! Ralph Vieira is also on our network with the Vieira Bowl. There's also Old Man Metal's Musings, where he discusses heavy metal and beer. Music is Life with Lou Mavs. The right opinion for those who love politics. A South Park podcast called Suck My Balls. The Infinite Fringe. A watch-along wrestling show called Beyond Bushido. Ex-Stradivarius guitarist, the Timo Tolki podcast. And the great Harry Barnett with I Don't Even Like Podcast and The Laugh Cast. So check out RatSoundReview.com or search RatSoundReview on YouTube, Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. You're listening to the Music is Life podcast with your host, Lou Mabs, on the Rat Sound Review Network.
Live Podcast. Thought you could get rid of me that easily? Uh-uh. I'm here. Thanks for watching and thanks for listening. Watching on YouTube on the Music is Live Podcast. Please subscribe and like and comment. Also, check us out. Well, check me out on every available podcast platform you can, including the Rats Eye Review Network. Find us on iTunes, Amazon, Pandora, apparently. Now we're on Pandora, James, Spreaker, Spotify. I don't know. Your mother's asshole, whatever. Whatever, uh, what's his name? Vic DiBetetto says. Hey, yo, get that blow out your ass. <laughs> That's him. That's him. <laughs> Uh, sorry, anyway. I've been watching a ton of Hassan Piker. He's been playing an Italian character in the Grand Theft Auto real-time role no. server. <laughs> and so, and the funniest thing is that he's like very open-minded, but he's very much against the Italian stereotypes. So anytime okay. someone drops an Italian stereotype, he goes, hey, oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Get to do the line from Family Guy. I'm just going to have to, hey, my way out of this one. Oh. You could do like the Tony Danza speak on Family Guy. What was it? Him and Sylvester Stallone having to (laughs) sit down, meet together, and Stallone's like, what? (laughs) Two boxers sitting in a restaurant and see what happens. (laughs) Family Guy does get it right sometimes. Anyways. I'm very happy to have a very good friend of mine. I've been on his show now twice. Eric did the same dance. On <laughs> I know what I'm doing it for. <laughs> you, um, can't, you can't keep us forgetting. Yeah, unfortunately, what you're going to realize, Lou, is really fast, is we're both really big wise asses, and I have to be the straight man on my show which is called Beyond Bushido, if you follow it on the Rat Salad Review Network. And you can also find it on all the podcasting networks, including all the ones that Lou said, including Spotify, Overcast, and Breaker. So, ha-ha! Damn, he's good. Anyways, I've had the pleasure of being on his show twice and being trolled on his show once. (laughs) Being showed the freaking Ja Rule, you know, Christos Diner video. (laughs) We've got... I don't know how to say that word, but it's... It's it's so good it'll make you want to slap your mama. <laughs> we got gyros, gyros. You couldn't even say meat pie. Yeah. You, you just say meat pie. You don't even have to pronounce the Greek word. The, the greatest thing is you say it's like it's like you say the word. You go you schmuck. Oh yes, I did. Yes, I did. But from the Beyond Bushido podcast, one of the brother podcasts on the Ratside Review Network, I am proud to have on my show for once a fellow podcaster, fellow metalhead. A good brother, Mr. James Lilliquist. What's going on, buddy? I am doing fantastic. And, and it's it's kind of fun uh, doing my show from the Fallout Bunker on a Monday. So instead of actually doing it on every Tuesday. so And my dog decides to make a cameo immediately in the show because, you know, she's actually the star of the show, not me. Later, yeah. later. <laughs> <laughs> later, my pets. Later. So I have invited my buddy James on the show tonight because James knows I am a guitar player and I'm a fan of guitar players. And I recently rediscovered an amazing guitarist by the name of Roy Clark. Many of you might remember him from the show Hee Haw. Unfortunately, on the East Coast in New York, that's kind of all he's really known for. But me, I like to go back and dig a little bit and... One of the videos that you just seen was from, I think it was a 1950 show. He was playing mm-hmm. a rag song on the guitar, which was a, a Fender Jaguar, like one of the originals pre-CBS. I just watched this video a long time ago and I was like, oh my God, he was like a shredder before 
shredding was even a thing. Like, you know, people associate shredding with Eddie Van Halen, with Steve Vai, uh, Paul Gilbert, you know, all great guitar players. But I mean, this guy was before all of them. And, and, and yeah, and a lot and a lot of that predates even like Chuck Berry doing his stuff in, in 56 and, and, and 57, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And, and like just watching that video, I mean, you saw elements of country, you saw elements of jazz. It was a rag is what, is what it was. Some of the most incredible guitar playing that I, that I had ever seen in my life. He obviously broke a sweat doing it, but he loved it. He was amazing at it. I remember he was on The Odd Couple once, and I think he did his version of uh, Malagueña. Yep. And if what you saw on The Odd Couple was good, look for live footage of him doing that. It's 10 times better. He also has a vinyl version of that, and you can actually find that still on Amazon Music. So I actually loaded that on one of my playlists that I have. You can actually find the, the downstreet rag that you, that you play. He also did Fulton County Blues with a just guitar solo. So he actually did that from Johnny Cash. And mm-hmm. uh, a, lot of, a lot of people don't realize it because he made his chops in bluegrass. When he was coming through bluegrass, it was, you know, Fleet and Scruggs. We're talking high level. We're talking about the golden age of bluegrass. So, I mean, mm-hmm. he, was, he was cutting his teeth in that. And, and as a band geek, uh, you know, I, I started in, in California and Nevada playing uh, music when I was in middle school. I started picking up the trumpet and then moved to the euphonium. Was trumpet your first instrument? Yes. Trumpet Mine my too. First. Actually, actually, my father is sending me my original trumpet from Nevada. That is cool. Uh, he still has it. He paid for it back in the day. And in a, in a shocking anime twist, I, uh, a betrayal, I went to the euphonium because the, the instructor was like, hey, you're like fourth seat in the trumpet, but hey, I think you really got the range and you, you're loud enough to do the uh, euphonium. And I was like, I can be loud. And... <laughs> So I became that, yeah, best Carney Barker ever at Tennessee Smoky Games ever. I sold nice. so many programs and st- souvenirs being just myself. By the way, in case, in case anyone doesn't realize, James is from Tennessee. I live in Knoxville, Tennessee now for the last 20 years. Uh, I moved out here when I was 16 years old to East Tennessee, uh, outside of Knoxville. Um, pretty much m- the area is known for two people. Kenny Chesney and Dolly Parton. We obviously don't recognize the first one. We re- really recognize the latter. We so, only recognize the latter. Pretty much, yes. Kenny yeah. Chesney, the freaking Sammy Hagar of country music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, hi, Iron Sheik. Hi. Hi, Uncle Sheiky, baby. That's I our take, show. <laughs> I take the Kenny Chesney and I break his back and make him humble. Fuck the Kenny Chesney. <laughs> Fuck the Kenny Chesney, Baba. But we love the Dolly Parton, Baba. We love the Dolly Parton. Cameraman zooming. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> but yeah, as you can tell, we do a wrestling podcast. But honestly, me and my uh, co-host, uh, Mr. Eric EA, Adams, Mr. Eric Adams, Eric Adams. Anyway, um, <laughs> sorry. What the Brooks fuck did we just do? <laughs> yes, we did. We did. We did. We did. Raising saddles. Oh, yes. oh, it's right. Uh, Randolph Scott. Okay, Randolph um, Scott. Yes, you were um, saying. So we actually met at a Green Jelly concert, of all things. <laughs> I used to love Green Jelly, so I'm not going to... So just... Yeah, yeah we, we met at a Green Jelly concert, acted like complete idiots, and it just devolved from there. We both fell into... We, we both were like huge music fans. I was a little bit different because I never got to the, to the New York hardcore scene that, you know, of course, Eric has and you had and all that stuff. I mm. had... I had California pop freaking music, so. No, but there's one thing that your area of Tennessee had that we didn't. Yes. One yeah. of my favorite bands. 
which is Whitechapel. So they were very young when they started. Actually, when they're I was still in, young, I think they're in their thirties yeah, now. They are. So, the, but the bad thing was, is um, I was in high school the same time as Ten Years was. Them, I remember they they, they, they had yeah. a song that was on heavy rotation in MTV Two back in the day, like two thousand five. Well, it was really good. Wasteland was about an actor from Knoxville who who they were cousins, and mm-hmm. that song's about his his drug abuse and him not being able to get out of the wasteland. Ah. It was a pretty deep song. It reminded me heavily of Tool. It was a good song. No, it was a great song. And like we had all the bands like Straight Line Stitch that made it. They had a few good band uh, songs out of it. They're from Oak Ridge. I've heard you talk about them on Beyond Bushido, definitely. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we've talked about them a lot because actually Eric hung out with them a lot. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, and like we had other bands that would just come through. And it's Knoxville has this underrated music scene, whereas Nashville's the big, you know, mecca of country music. And- yes all this I've, I've been to nashville a town of thirty thousand songwriters looking to get discovered yes it was yeah. rough man it was rough i mean we did a week of touring there my wife and i we struck it up very well with the other songwriters like they love whatever what aaron was uh, writing mm-hmm. but you know we did meet with a representative over at curb records he said your music doesn't paint a picture i'm like i'm sorry when the fuck does taylor swift paint a picture with her lyrics anyways that schmuck lost his job so fuck you buddy anyways (laughs) he's not your buddy guy anyway he's um... not my guy pal i'm not your buddy friend he's not your friend guy i'm not your guy buddy he's not your buddy friend i'm not your friend guy sorry i gotta rep my canadianness in this okay my father's canadian so i can do this (laughs) i can make these jokes but anyways back to the great state of tennessee but, but but actually the great the great city the great eastern region has it, it is more where Nashville has country uh folk music and bluegrass and everything mm-hmm. is huge in East Tennessee. I mean Dolly cut her you know cut her teeth it was really the big of her big start was in bluegrass and folk music. You know everyone forgets that and then she transitioned into country when she got out to Nashville. Mm-hmm. So you have that and you just you have like a, you have you have a radio station out here that's been going on for like shoot 60 years it's it's called the blue plate special they do folk music in this little place in knoxville right in downtown area Mm -hmm. and you've got a whole bunch of bluegrass and of course you got dolly parton which which she dominates everything because she is our saint we follow everywhere she says because she does so many great deeds so i love dolly parton respect the hell out of her you know as a vocal talent a songwriting talent an acting talent and just a supreme physical specimen oh my goodness Hey, she's still that. Hey, she's still looking good at seventy. And remember, it takes a lot of money to look that cheap. And mm-hmm. I'm quoting her. That's her talking about herself. Okay, she comes from the country way of doing comedy of self-deprecation. She understands what her money makers are. Her money makers. Yes, but the thing about Dolly that rocks, in my opinion, is the fact that she just doesn't give a shit, and she made her own bones. Oh yeah, you know, I think anybody could definitely find respect in that. I think one of her best lines I've heard her say in a few years is that uh, drag queens dress better than she does. <laughs> Don't joke. I've actually seen a drag queen. I really thought it was Dolly. <laughs> She'll actually admit it. She say, she said, "You guys look better than I do." <laughs> My wife and I went to uh, Key West for a holiday one time. Yes, I know we say like the Europeans bite me. We went on holiday to Key West one time, and we said, "Hey, let's go visit a drag bar." And I tell you, there was a Dolly Parton lookalike there. She sang nine to five. Of course she did. Of course she did. And let me tell you, (laughs) 
I thought it was Dolly. <laughs> Actually, Dolly Parton's done so much for the for the local area um, with not even helping people with forest fires, losing their houses and their mm-hmm. entire livelihoods, losing people with like when the whole forest fires happened to freaking helping make the Moderna vaccine possible for fighting COVID. People don't mm-hmm. realize the initial $2 million investment to Vanderbilt Medical Hospital to actually study the COVID-19 vaccine was made by Dolly Parton herself and only her. <laughs> she better get recognized for that. That's all well, I'm going to say. She's actually been recognized by the state. They wanted to make a statue, replace her with uh, the, replace the, the, for, the Nathan, Nathan Bedford Forrest statue with her. And she actually said during this time, I would, I would respectfully decline that, that invent, invitation really she yes. didn't want the credit she did not want the credit she does not want she doesn't want to have the recognition and everything during this time dolly this is why you deserve it <laughs> exactly so you know you got that it, it just i feel like this area has music just flowing through it because like the the winters are cold here i know northerners will you guys you guys northern bias will say oh it doesn't get cold here fuck you it gets cold dude i after what happened in texas i sent a message out on facebook to everyone i said uh, all my family and friends in Texas, you know, I wish you guys love and I wish you guys all the best. And, you know, I told them if you guys need anything like for me to PayPal some cash over so you could get some like groceries or whatever, because, you know, they, they dealt with whether they never dealt with before. Uh-huh. And, you know, I just I, I try I wanted to help them out as much as I could. But they were like, no, no, we're OK. We're OK. And I said, all right, well, I'm on standby if you need me. So, <laughs> you know. No, well, I mean, people don't realize the the mountains of Tennessee are still mountains, and we do get this thing called ice yeah. every year. And, and so, uh, I I attribute a lot of the musical talent to that is that you're bored and you're in your house freezing, you know, and you've got the fire going. What are you gonna do? Because you know, back in the day, there was no TV. I mean, shoot, there was moonshine your... and banjos. Hey yo, I love my moonshine and banjos. Actually, I still got a jar in the back from popcorn, but. <laughs> When anyway. I come to Tennessee, we're rocking it. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. No, trust me. I, I, I do the moonshine trail every time I go up there for freaking... Uh, we went up for Valentine's Day. I had moonshine. I don't care. It's good. great. <laughs> good stuff. But, but, you know, you get there, you get bored. So, like, you know, you had the one family member that plays the mandolin. You've got the one player that plays the banjo. you got one person that plays the guitar. And you've mm-hmm. got the other guy doing drums, percussion instruments. And that's how you spent time in the winter when it was colder than damn it. And that is... and and Or, excuse me, or when it's... <clears throat> Slicker than shit. <laughs> you know, though, you just made me think of Emmett Otter's Christmas Jug Band. Hey, yeah, uh, Emmett Otter's Christmas Jug Band is one of the greatest Christmas movies ever. I agree. I agree. It, it, it gets no credit whatsoever. How that is, is that possible? Because it is not called The Muppets. It's Jim Henson, not called The Muppets. It's it's Henson's Creature Shop. It's it's As far as I'm concerned, anything Jim Henson touched was gold. I mean, so, yeah, look at the Dark Crystal. I love that thing. That thing's a psychedelic so masterpiece. I. And I love Labyrinths. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, it's David Bowie. Oh, you... Well, Jennifer Connelly was a crush of mine when I was oh, a kid. Oh, God. All right. Damn All right, you, let's... Paul Bettany. <laughs> Damn you, Paul. Damn anyway. you, Vision. Anyway, I started getting into the music out here, and they're like, uh, have, you, have you watched a show called Hee Haw? And mm-hmm. I was like, you mean the you mean the redneck show on TNN, the Nashville Network? And they what go, year, what year are we talking now? Just to provide some context. Um, this was I I I moved out here in two thousand. Okay, God six. I think it was still on the air. So it was yeah. it was it was still. I mean, the reruns were. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't oh. a live show anymore. Right. But I mean, like. 
people talked about the Opry still. People talked about, you know, playing in, in Kingsport, which is up up at the Virginia border of Tennessee, which is the major bluegrass area that, you, that there's a bluegrass festival up there. And people talked about playing these certain venues. And of course, yeah, everyone talked about the Opry, but Opry was so commercial at that time, nobody cared about it as much as they did back in the day. Mm-hmm. And so like, and, and that was because of people like Roy Clark. And I was just like, oh, you mean he haw this silly game? And they're like, no, watch, you know, because I was in music and I was already, you know, band geek. So I already kind of knew how to actually, what differentiated between music and a musician. And mm-hmm. watching Roy Clark play, that is a musician and a craftsman. And then he would also add the fun things. He was acting while completely murdering this guitar. <laughs> and, just, and then making it look easy. Mm-hmm. And, 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 then, and then, you know, hearing the stories of like someone, someone from Rolling Stone asked Jimi Hendrix one time, what is it like to be the greatest guitar player to ever lived? And he goes, I don't know. Ask Roy Clark. Now, I wanted to ask you a question because I heard you say that quote on Beyond Bushido. Did he say that about Billy Gibbons or is that like a Mandela effect? That might be the Mandela effect, but that's where I've heard that line before I heard about the other one. Okay. So it could be Mandela effect. It could also be Southeastern bias. Who knows? Well, I mean, and, and who, either, who are we going to ask? Either way, you know, Hendrix was, in my opinion, he's one of the greatest, definitely one of my favorites. And this is a guy who was always busy just creating music. Mm-hmm. He never cared about the accolades. He just cared about the art. And he always and gave credit where it was due. Yeah. But- <laughs> <laughs> all right everyone's got their vice so what hey you know what lsd has provided some of the greatest music of all time hey, look at woodstock festival and the don't take the brown acid line first mm-hmm. off mm-hmm. and like okay so when i grew up my my parents were from the bay area california during the 60s oh all three of them all three of them my mother my father my stepfather mm-hmm. all from the bay area from the from the 50s on Okay. And so, like, they grew up Monterey music festivals. My stepfather was going to go to the Rolling Stones Oakland incident and decided oh, not Altamont? to. at Altamont? At Altamont. Okay. He was going to go to Altamont, but he decided not to at the end. Okay. Because uh, he was just, he was like, he got, he got something else. He's like, I'm not going to pay that money or something like that happened. And he was just like, I'm not going to deal with this crap and mm-hmm. did not go. But he had and that was, was that because the Hells Angels were the security there? Yes and no. <laughs> All right. I mean the hell the the HA are always there, so you know you just don't mess with HA. I mean, no, it, of course not. Yeah, you just, that's that's just that's the Bay Area. You just don't mess with those guys. They're, Got it. They're big. They're scary. They're on drugs. Anyway, um, but the so, American way. Hey, they're making money. Anyway, um, that's where I learned my music. So I grew up. My father played Santana and Eddie Money constantly. My my mother played Bad Company and Fleetwood Mac constantly to me. Mm-hmm. And my stepfather would be playing Monterey Music Festival, Mamas and Papas, Hot Tuna, and Cleden's Colorado Revival. All great and stuff. And the Guess Who. And the Guess Who live in Calgary. You know the singer, the Guess Who, is still active. Yes. Yep. He, I plays mean, in a- he plays in Asheville, North Carolina a ton for some reason. Okay, go where the money is. Hey, I mean, there's Cher- there's a, the Cherokee. The, there's a wonderful Cherokee casino there. There you go. <laughs> but uh, like he's he like my stepfather. He's still alive. Um, and he goes see he, him. He goes out to go see Hot Tuna all the time out in Boone and in Asheville and all that stuff. All right. So he he's all he was he's big into that hippie rock stuff. So that's where I got my love of music was from all that. Even though I said I hated it back in the day. <laughs> 
I hear you. For me, it was my brothers. My parents, God bless them, you know, they came here to this country in 68 from Greece. Couldn't speak a lick of English. Well, my dad, could, he, he was able to speak English. My mom, no. But uh, there was always a, a love of Greek music, you know, and Greek dancing and stuff like that. And it was my brothers that got me into the rock music that I grew up loving. You know, like I remember looking through my brother's cassettes. Remember those kids? And they had... Uh, you know, you name it, they had it. They had Rush's Moving Pictures. They had Iron Maiden's Number of the Beast. They had Def Leppard's Pyromania. They had Brian Adams' Reckless. As Canada, we apologize for Brian Adams on numerous occasions. Now, now, the Canadian government has apologized for Brian Adams on several occasions. Shh. <laughs> 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 Sorry. That joke doesn't get old, by the way. But. It never dies. It's never old. It's such a good one. That one's a solid freaking... That joke still has the sheen on it. <laughs> but my late brother, Mike, you know, was really into jazz and fusion. So I okay. learned about my love of jazz from there. My brother, Tony, was really into country and folk. So I got turned on to Waylon Jennings, Johnny Cash, and Gordon Lightfoot. So, you know, I Big had Canadian. that... Yes. Another Canadian. <laughs> Great Notice Canadian. a trend here. Uh He's a good brother. <laughs> he's a good, he's a good old-fashioned Canadian boy. Likes his KFC in delivery form. Hey. Hey. Good day. So, <laughs> so anyway, that's where I got my love of, of music from was from them. And just having that dichotomy of hard rock and I wouldn't say soft. Johnny Cash was anything but soft. But, you know, like that. that <laughs> his that lifestyle acu- was nothing but soft. No. Exactly. His lifestyle but, was awesome. But, you know, that acoustic grit yeah. type sound. And growing up, I do remember Hee Haw being on television. But it wasn't like I could put a name to a face. So I didn't really start associating Roy Clark and buck owens with hee haw until i was old enough to realize who they were and i blame my own immaturity for not having discovered roy clark sooner because if i did i think i i think it's safe to say that if i had been following him instead of guys like eddie van halen and tony iomi and randy Rhodes, who knows how much differently my guitar playing style would be he was a fireball of talent yes. now You having been exposed to that in the year 2000, what was it about him that really caught your attention? I think it was the speed of, of his, of his playing that knowing that he's playing uh, all, all I could call it was, was 16th notes Mm -hmm. at a speed that even I couldn't do on a horn. He had an interesting picking style. Like, cause I was studying a little bit. He had great wrist control. Like it wasn't even his arm that was moving. It, no, it, it was, was the wrist. wrist. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I've seen very few guitar players who could pull that off with ease. Cause a lot of them after a while, it's like, they kind of slow down. No, he kept going. The crazy thing about the rag, it got faster towards the end. Mm-hmm. Most guitar players are kind of like, oh, I can't, I can't carpal tunnel, carpal tunnel. Not this guy. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, his, his wrist dexterity and his just entire playing style was like definitely from years of playing and years and years and years and years. So when I started playing marching band in Tennessee, I learned this whole method of practice, which was you wake up in the morning, you start playing and you don't stop playing until one, two o'clock at the night. And then you go mm-hmm. to bed. And then guess what you're going to do tomorrow? The same and thing over what, again. And guess what you're going to do again? Same and thing guess what over you're going again. To do? Exactly. And what are you going to do? So 
like I, I kind of caught what he was doing and, and your body reacts to it and it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. So that's how he could be able to play into his freaking eighties. He was still able to do dueling banjos. Like it was nothing granted the, the fingers sometimes messed up because well, you know, he's 80 darn years old. So, you know, the, the mind kind of goes to skosh, but he was still able to do it at his age at an advanced age with cancer riddling him. He's still able to bust it out. Like it was nothing that just shows that he had all those years of practice, all those years of hard, hard training and playing. I just kept watching him and I'm like, Holy crud. He was amazing. I didn't see that odd couple video until like five years ago. I had not known that existed. I didn't get to watch the odd couple when I was little. Cause it was obviously off the air when I was, when I was a child Correct. in the eighties. So I never got to see that. Mm-hmm. I just knew that I just knew that Roy Clark from from that I knew he was a really great bluegrass guitarist I never knew that he could do flamenco I never knew he could do other styles it was very gypsy jazzish almost mm-hmm. his playing style yeah you could tell he had a lot of Coltrane and Monk and he did a lot of blues too yeah I wonder if he had any Django Reinhardt thrown in there as well he probably did I can see that in case nobody knows who Django Reinhardt is he's considered the father of gypsy jazz guitar on his fret hand he only had three fingers I would have to say Django Reinhardt is probably responsible for the genre of metal because if anyone knows the history of Tony Iommi when he cut off the tips of his two fingers on his fret hand he thought his days as a guitar player was numbered then he discovered Django Reinhardt and he figured out a way to like make leather tips for his fingers and just detuned his guitar from E standard to C sharp standard. And there you have metal. So you know what? Django Reinhardt single-handedly influenced heavy metal music for Tony Iommi. And I give a lot of credit to like, you don't have the Allman Brothers if you don't have Delta Blues. You don't have the Allman Brothers. You don't have Leonard Skinner. You don't have any of those guys if you don't have New Orleans and Memphis Blues. Yeah. And you don't have British bands that mm-hmm. came out from the invasion without the Delta Blues. You don't. Like all of them give all the love and respect of the world to Chuck Berry, Little Richard, mm-hmm. you know, Elvis Presley even, although that's more rockabilly than it is uh, blues, but music is meant to be appreciated and it should impact you in the sense that it should. It makes you feel. Music like, is me, life. What the fuck yeah. can I say? <laughs> music, uh, music is supposed to uh, pull these emotions out of you. And like, I remember when I was playing, there was times when like I put my whole, you put your soul into it. You put your emotions into it. And you're physically, you should be physically exhausted when you're done playing. Not because you're physically exerting yourself. You're putting all that emotion into it. Mm-hmm. You're exerting all this emotional capital into it. And you should yeah. feel tired. You should feel exhausted. You should feel like you're empty inside because you just gave this to, you gave the, the gift of what you can do to yeah. somebody else. You mentioned your uh, practice regimen. I mean, that was me. Like I, after school, I would study with some friends at a friend's house come home, have dinner. And then until it was time to go to bed, took my acoustic guitar and just kept playing. Mm -hmm. Never had a lesson, just had a Mel Bay book. And that's how I taught myself. And it's like every, every day, weekends, weekdays, until it was time to go to bed. Like I just, that's all I cared about. And I still think I could be better. All right. So I, I definitely knew I could have been better. And I was really mad that I didn't push myself when I was younger. Cause when I got to Tennessee, I, I, the, the level of nurture, because I, I thought at first I was like, Hey, I can get a scholarship in, in college. I get my college paid for by doing this. Cause I had gotten compliments in, in Nevada and California of my playing. They're like, you know, if he really pushes himself, he can get a scholarship out of this. So I went to Tennessee and I was like, okay, you know, I know I can play this. And, and immediately my, my band director was like, yo, you're going to need practice more. And he guys kind of like, he, he, he shut me down and put me and broke me down. 
And luckily my junior year, we played a whole bunch of seventies rock anthems and one of them being Frankenstein. And there nice. are still, there are still people at our school through, from the band program that say they, they call it the legend of Frankenstein <laughs> because no, we would go. So like every week before school started, we would go out to what we called camp and, and it wasn't like American pie band camp. It was pretty much, it, it prepared me for military training. <laughs> It really did. As we would wake up at seven in the morning, eat breakfast and start playing and during our marching for the year for our show, we'd learn, mm-hmm. we'd learn all the sets and all the music and we would not be done playing until one o'clock in the morning. And we were playing. And I mean, he was like, this is Frankenstein. This is supposed to be loud. This is Edgar Winter's masterpiece. Freaking give me, you better freaking give it to me. I want to be assaulted by sound. He nice. Was yelling at us. It was like a hundred. He was yelling at 150 kids. I want to be freaking just, uh, he wants to be ripped apart by sound. And so we're like, all right, you know, we're pretty much going, all right, motherfucker, you know, <laughs> <laughs> to ring out your queens in there. All right, you motherfucker, you know, here, here you, here, here it comes. And it got so bad that like they had to tone me down because I started pushing it so hard that I was blowing out. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> that, we actually did Malaguena on my senior uh, concert in high school and I was the bass player in the uh, senior band and the jazz band at the time. So I just remember slubbing the shit out of my bass because it's like, it's two chords, it's E and F. So I'm just like, all right, what can I do with it? So I'm just like, you know, did like this crazy like tap thing on the uh, yeah. higher frets and I'm just like, boink, 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 you know, like that. And everyone's like, Louie, stop. You're going to kill the Jackson. <laughs> like, no, must be louder. Because like art uh, and, uh, and everyone doesn't realize like how stupid, ridiculous these bands and like high schools are in in Tennessee and Eastern Tennessee. There yeah, bands... you, you think your football teams got balls? Uh uh-uh. uh. Wait till you get the jazz band kitties. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, it was it was crazy because like it was it well, there was fights, but there was there was literally like rivalries and battles, and we'd go out in tournaments and we'd compete against each other, mm-hmm. and it was it was rough and it was extremely fun. I enjoyed it, especially when we started doing. Uh, comp- like there was a competition bands. There was the East Tennessee Band Associations. Every year, you would go and you would try to try out for these 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 mm. honor bands. And I made. I remember my senior year, I actually applied myself and I got third alternate out of the entire state. Out of like five hundred kids, I was like fourteenth. That that is pretty cool. When I learned trumpet, because that was my first instrument, I was at the Saturday music school at our church. Built my way up from third trumpet to second trumpet, but there was the, the first trumpeters were still there. My teacher, Dr. Barry Delman, how you doing, Doc? Said, you know, we could use a baritone horn player. I'm like, baritone horn? And they gave me the baritone horn. It's this big fucking thing. It's the same keys as the trumpet. Yep. And I'm just like, how loud can I get with this? And then you all of a sudden, I'm like, and I'm just like, yes, I found my brass <laughs> instrument. Now I couldn't play it because I would be so winded playing it. I made an F echo through a hallway. With one That's of amazing. Things. Yes. So we started doing the hay song. And of course, you know, that thing just has like an F and they just want you just to lay into that sucker. And I laid into it so bad that the principal and the band director turned around and looked at me and I was like, ah, I was like, oh, you want it again? <laughs> I, gave that, I gave that crazy look of, you want me to do it again? <laughs> It's funny that we're talking about like, you know, our bands and I mentioned jazz band and there is a bone of contention that I have to bring up. Oh boy. Oh, you know what it is. Okay. Come on, bring it on. All right. First of all, I'm going to preface this by saying Buddy Rich had the audacity to insult 
country western music that was always a big bone of contention for me because he basically stated that it doesn't take any talent to either write it or perform said that you you don't like country music so and uh, you have some definite feelings about absolutely. musical tastes absolutely i think that it's about time that this country grew up in this musical taste rather than making the giant step backwards that that country music is doing we try uh, very hard to do things like the, the moon landing and uh, our new cars and fashions and everything all a step forward and country music is a giant step backwards it's so simple that anybody can sing it anybody can do it anybody can play it on one uh, one string right on that i think it's about time that uh, we learn that uh, there has to be a, a higher degree of musical intelligence and that we have to start listening to better things rather than the simple things you know our creators in jazz uh, the only art form that this country really has produced and people like Art Tatum and Lester Young and Charlie Parker, some of the great giants of jazz, Miles Davis, Dizzy Gillespie, Benny Goodman, Count Basie. These people are giving something in music, they're giving of themselves, and yet they have Hall of Fame for uh, a baseball player or a trophy for a football player who gets smashed. And um, the line has forgotten about uh, the great jazz uh, musicians who I'm, have given I'm glad so you brought that up because not enough respect is given to Absolutely good musicians. Not. Absolutely people not. People kind of take it for granted. Consider them. People take it for granted and they're... Uh, I think they should be respected because I know, watching our guys, right. they're working every minute of every day. Well, they're creative. In bettering themselves. That's what music is all about. It's, it's creativity, you know. And I don't think you have to create too much, man, to, to be a hillbilly. I don't, you know, anybody can go and say, wham, wham, wham. Listen, Buddy he's a, he's Rich a high school and teacher. Carol Buddy Rich, all the men. He's a high school teacher, right? That's right. And his brain should tell him that country music is really outside, man. It's really simple, you know. And... Uh, I think when you do a show like this, it's about time that the young people who may be viewing this thing realize that there's a lot more to music than just uh, playing one chord or two He's, chords and, but, and uh, going out and trying to make a million music, dollars. Music, music makes various people happy in different ways. There are some people who use mi music as a kind of a tranquilizer, kind of a, you know, yeah, well, I, watch, more, I watch Westerns. I watch Westerns because it doesn't really tax my brain. Yeah, because you know things. who's going to win. I can go, get, go in the kitchen for five minutes and come back and get right back in. And right, isn't that simple? Yes. Well, but, I'd, rather but, think, but I, you know, I'd rather think that Mannix can't make it on Friday night or Saturday night. You know, I'd rather think that he's being chased and can't win. It gives you something to think about. How's he going to get away? Or Mission Impossible. You know, although you know they're going to win, I don't know how they're going to win. And it gives me something to think about. Mm -hmm. And the same thing applies to music. You know, if I'm going to sit and listen to uh, you sing, and I'm going to listen to Frank and Tony Bennett, I know that there's enough emotion there to carry me through whatever period of emotion I'm going through. That's great company but, you uh, just put me in, pal. You Thank know, you. if I have to listen to Glenn Campbell, man, that's like the cowboy Wayne Newton as far as I'm concerned. An insult to the genre and to the musicians who are responsible for putting it on the map. Guys like Roy Clark, guys mm -hmm. like Glenn Campbell, guys like Willie Nelson, guys like Waylon Jennings, Johnny Cash. To be able to carry that emotion through their music and to strike a chord with the people, and then all of a sudden it's like they'll pull something out of thin air just to surprise you. Mm -hmm make you remember why you enjoyed music in the first place i would even go so far as to say that like a lot of the country western players in roy clark's time knew what to play and when not to play mm -hmm. as opposed to buddy rich who again 
all the credit in the world, great swing, but jazz, as much as I love it as a genre, it's not the be all end all. And I don't know where he came up with this cockamamie idea that country Western doesn't take any talent to create or perform and that he wanted it to die a quick death. As a fan of music in general, I was just kind of like, the fuck you talking about? Well, you know, we have a saying here in, in Tennessee, and it is a lot in the South. Uh, we, we drop a bless your heart before we start saying something really bad about that. And we're not going to tell you what that means. You'll have to figure it out yourself. You're damn right. So bless his heart. You know, some someone might have fell, fell down a few times down the stupid tree. You know, someone might be a couple cents away from a quarter. <laughs> I haven't heard that one. We say a couple of cans short of a six pack up yeah. here. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there, there's a there's a few other ones I could say. You know, there's a, he's, he's a few pounds spare of a ton. There's a bunch of them. <laughs> anyway, I still can't believe he played so well for having his head shoved so far up his ass. But you know, yeah, he did. Yeah, that toupee was noticeable, by the way, buddy. Rich it, Bruno San Martino thinks he had a bad toupee. Anyway. Um... <laughs> Wow. Okay. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. We're going to break ground here that Bruno San Martino wrestled in a, in a toupee for, for like two years. Did he re- really wrestle oh, yeah. in a toupee? He tried. He tried. Oh my God. Next time I come on Beyond Bushido, you got to show me that. Oh, oh, I, I, you can already hear the background. If you hear this sound, that's EA typing and finding the videos as we speak. Oh, and wait a minute. Just, yeah. Uh, Oh, right under Wayne. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Wayne. Anyway, um, there there are people like that. I call I call them snobs. I call them assholes. I call them pricks. I call elitist. them They're elitists. They are elitists, and you know what? They're also very wrong. But wrong. Wrong. Yeah. And and it's only because of their own lack of talent they feel like they need to step over other people. Because I mean, yes. Does it take a lot of talent to make a Taylor Swift song? Not really. Kane Chesney song. Not really. Garth Brooks. I'm going to fight you on a damn hill for that shit because I love Garth Brooks, damn it. Nothing wrong with Garth. I was more of a preface for anybody else who wants to come at me. Oh, come (laughs) at him, bro. Do something. (laughs) Do something. You know, and there's just other people like, I even got caught up in the snobbery, you know, of everything. I thought living in Tennessee was the hokiest shit in the world. And then I moved to someplace else where people were high up their asses in Charleston, South Carolina. And Mm -hmm. I was like... This place sucks. I've been to Charleston. It is a bit bougie, but you know, a bit it's... bougie. They got their nose so high they get nosebleeds, and I don't mean off oh their cocaine. <laughs> I mean, shit. I lived there for four damn years. I saw it. I saw everything. Even though I did see one of the best concerts ever, which was the Street Dogs and Social Distortion. Oh, local concerts said... there. You said Street Dogs. I recognize it was a punk show. I didn't know Social yeah. D was on that. That's cool. Yeah, it was Social D was the headliner. And Street nice. Dogs was the warm-up act. That was an awesome show. I was telling George Fullen, who I did the podcast with the day before, my first ever New York hardcore show was Motorhead. <laughs> I, I, I know, I know. Motorhead is not a hardcore band. But they did have the Dropkick Murphys as the co-headliner, Hatebreed as the second act, and Scarhead as the opening God. act. So, so I do tell people that my first hardcore show was a Motorhead concert. They're like, huh? And I explained to them. They're like, yeah, that's a hardcore show. <laughs> How many concussions did you get in that damn show from for everybody's freaking swinging on you? Well, I thankfully I knew to stay out of the pit because the moment I saw the windmills and the pickup change, I was just like, the fuck are they doing? <laughs> so my first ever metal CD I listened to was Metallica's Black Album because I was eight damn years old in San Jose and my my aunt 
mm-hmm. had bought it for my cousin who was about six months older than me. And he's like, you need to listen to this. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay. And next thing you know, freaking Inner Sandman comes on. I'm like, this is fucking awesome. It's one of the greatest gateway albums ever. It is. Oh, it is definitely the 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 initial dime bag of, of metal music. It is great. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good context all right but uh you know so like at that time like i of course you know corn was big and so system of a down and uh even guys like cold chamber and everything we were really big into those and Sorry, i was never a cold chamber fan I, they had two good songs they had two good songs and one extremely weird cover song with ozzy oh shock the monkey from peter gabriel so freaking weird it's like they learned like the three notes out of the song and just pounded that into the ground it was great in a very low tuning. Loco was a good low. song. I'll say that. Loco was Sway. a good song. Sway was my favorite song. I liked Loco and Big Truck, and that's about it. Right, see, I didn't like Big Truck. I liked Sway. But anyway, uh, 2003, I went to my first ever big metal show. Mm-hmm. And that was OzFest in Atlanta, which, by the way, our friend EA was there, and we never knew. This was two ships passing in the dark that would meet later on. We did not. We were at the same show. We didn't know each other. Nice. I went to the Hartford, Connecticut one. Corn was amazing that night. So that was my, I wanted to go to see them. And I, my mom got me pit passes. because I was about to join the air force a month later. And it was my birthday. Wow. That is and so cool. And I was cool. in the pit and freaking, I got head butted right there in the nose. That's why my nose is a little messed up. It's from a woman head butting me right in the nose, right there. Just freaking. And I'm like, fuck, <laughs> bleeding everywhere. Did she give you a number afterwards? No, no, she didn't. I, you I, go I, to hell and you die. You go to hell. You go to hell and you die. <laughs> I didn't know. So, so I, I will admit, like I had, uh, I'm the complete social idiot when it comes to that. I'm complete freaking social savant. I have no idea what the hell is going on. That's why I don't I, either. I'm sitting there going like, I'm like, I'm like, oh, you should gotten her number. I'm like, what? She got a number. You know, like I'm like freaking retarded. You know, uh, any Kleenex? <laughs> yeah. Like okay, like all right, Manson's on there, and then we'll freaking I'll come back for Ozzy, and freaking Manson goes on there, and then immediately after Manson leaves, the show turns twenty immediately in the pit. The, the pit aged twenty years by and I got back. And then it was Disturbed, Corn, and Ozzy. I got to admit, Chevelle played played a great show that night. Chevelle was okay. Uh, Disturbed, I actually, I actually got a, I got, I did the autograph session with them, and those guys are huge. I got to meet Voivod with uh, Jason Newstead that day, so that was pretty. cool. I got to meet Ivan from uh, Motorgrader that night, who turned into Five Finger Death Punch. That's right. That's right. Ivan was in uh, Motorgrader. Yes, that was yeah. Uh, Shadows Fall was the opening act of the day at nine o'clock in the morning. That's unfair. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's when Cradle of Filth was the last band on the second stage, and I'm like, good, these guys suck. <laughs> well, I mean, black metal. I, I'll tell you one thing. I, I that was the second time in my life I saw Cradle of Filth. First time was with <laughs> Vision of Disorder, Nile, and God forbid again a show I, where you question who the fuck booked this thing, <laughs> who booked that shit because Nile's fucking awesome, and <laughs> all the other bands are awesome. Who the fuck? Is- I mean, going freaking darts on the on the on the wall there like uh, uh well, uh well the backstreet boys with agnostic front and gg allen as the headliner i would fucking love to see that oh i would pay so much money to see that album i would just to see the fans of my backstreet boys see gg allen and freaking agnostic front just oh one agnostic God. front song just one I, I just pick pick one and they'll watch their heads i, I, I want to, i would love to see them charge the stage singing gotta go while the Backstreet boys are singing ain't nothing but a heartache that'd be great 
while Gigi Allen is doing Gigi Allen things in the in the in the middle, yeah, throwing poop into the audience, and... uh, you know, vomiting. But Ozzy eats bats on a regular basis. And that was an accident. He thought it was fake. He thought it was a rubber bat. He peed on the uh, Alamo. Okay, there, the no, Tennessee inside. he didn't. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I forgot. He got a, he got accused of it. Didn't actually do it. He actually that's true. That's true. Real quick though, I will jump. Sorry, back sorry, to the I've completely derailed the conversation. That's as okay. Always. That's okay. As, in traditional Beyond Bushido fashion, we have this way of doing. We go on other people's shows and we completely freaking Shanghai it immediately. Hey, I love going on Beyond Bushido. I have a blast uh, doing the show with uh, James and EA. Real quick though, so, so like you know, Cradle of Filth. That was the black metal band that they had in two thousand three, two thousand four. They actually had Demo Borgir on the main stage and they killed it i would have loved to see demu it took ea to actually show me like real death metal because like i thought I, the only band i had ever heard that was real black metal was old man's child and they actually did a split ep together yeah at one point and, and he's like oh like, oh you like these guys listen to this and it's freaking it was demu and i'm like i love this and then, of course then i figure out they're all freaking scandinavian and i'm like <laughs> ah well if you want to hear a good american black metal band check out black anvil okay I, I recommend they were former members of kill your idols the new york hardcore band george actually produced their first two releases it's raw and it sounds good what's the what's the one band i've just been listening to after the burial lost in the static that song uh, i got this lost the static from on 40 metal and it's stuck in my head it's yeah earwormed in there wolves within is one of my 10 favorite metal albums that in the in the uh, New Zealand kids uh, alien weaponry has been really big on my on my playlist lately. All right, I mean, what have I? Been, well, I've been listening to a lot of what Wayne's been giving me for uh, reviews. <laughs> so you've been listening to a lot of Timo Talki and a lot of bands that the guitarists have been arrested and. <laughs> No, it's just, it's funny how like I'm the odd man out of that trio between him and Greg. We all have like different opinions when it comes to specific metal bands. Like I'm the only one of the three of us that likes Hatebreed. Nurgle hates my music. I call your show the three curmudgeons because like you guys all have curmudgeon attitudes towards one thing and one thing hard. So like Nurgle hates Savadon. Really? Hates them. For some I don't, reason. I don't know enough about them to have an opinion. I'll be he, the first he, ca- he calls it. He calls it bad power metal. And everything like that and i'm like dude i just love their historical music that all their all their songs are about history so like i love it i like Alestorm, believe it or not okay. hey i like i like them i like freaking it's I, fun I, it's just it fun is. music it's fun and stupid and it's it's, it's supposed to be enjoyable you're not it, not everything has to be freaking you know yugi malmstrom all day long ingvay malmstein yes oh yeah i will call i will butcher that name as much as i want to i all forget, right. forget I, your norwegianness Okay, conf- confession. We we did a uh, Rad Sod review theater of Vinnie Vincent's Boys Are Gonna Rock. And Greg actually said that he was a better guitar player than Ingvay Malmsteen. And I just had to like bite my tongue. Vinnie Vincent plays with melody and purpose, unlike Ingvay Malmsteen, who just pisses notes for 50 minutes straight. Mm, I don't know about that. Because I was like, no. <laughs> I am not. I am not the biggest Ingve fan, but even I will say Ingve is. Ingve uh, Ingve is great. He is technically proficient and technically amazing. His music is completely boring to me. Well, that's the thing. It's like you hear one song, you hear the entire album. It's just like, what's he going to do next? You know, like, like, like yeah. I lo- I I I appreciate and, and enjoy what Dream Theater tries to do. I am not the biggest Dream Theater fan. I like what they do. I respect what they're what they're trying to do. Their songs are boring to me. 
It makes sense. You know, some people feel that way about tools. Some people feel that way about a lot of prog bands, progressive metal rock, whatever you want to call it. It's a very polarizing genre. You either love it or you don't. It's an acquired taste. Quite. <laughs> and we, yes. and we don't believe in corporate sponsorships. Hey, I, I, I love my Evan Williams single barrel bourbon. It is the greatest bourbon in the world. Good stuff. I'm a maker's mark guy. That's 30 bucks and it's cheap and I like it. All right, I'll try it out. I'm glad that you brought up the fact that there's definitely an elitism amongst certain musicians and music fans. I'm not one to begrudge anybody their opinion because that would make me just as guilty of being an elitist as them. When it came to when I finally allowed myself to be open to listen to Roy Clark and I realized, oh my God, like this guy was such a talent and it's past the point of calling him criminally underrated. I would even say he's practically undiscovered. That is uh, something that can be definitely debated because in, in some circles, he is criminally underrated. In some, in some things, he is on the pedestal of one of the greatest guitarists ever. And it just, it, it's that, it's that vast of knowledge of where you, you know, have you, were you there and were you not there? You know, were you, were you there with open-mindedness or were you there with closed-mindedness? And it, and, it, and it shows a lot of the comedy of Tennessee in itself mm-hmm. that you, we have three regions, we have three different cultures in this state and that, you know, our closed mindedness does affect us a lot. Like every, like I know out here, we talk a ton of trash on Memphis and we don't, and we, and we say bad things about Memphis. However, Memphis has just as much contribution to the state of Tennessee as Knoxville or Nashville does. The music and, alone, I would say, is probably one of Tennessee's greatest contributions to the United States. That and hot Probably chicken. to the world. That and what? That, that and hot chicken. Oh. <laughs> if there were three Roy Clark performances or three Roy Clark songs that you think people should listen to to give them an idea of his greatness, uh, what would you say they are? I would definitely say, of course, Malaguena is probably a number one. And then the other one that we do also that we haven't talked about is an episode on Hee Haw that he's playing with a young banjo guitarist. They call it an all-round. It was pretty much during a picking and grinning session. There's a British guy reacting to it. It's the only video you can find of it because the original video got copyright struck. It shows him playing violin, fiddle. We will not refer to it as its proper thing. It was a fiddle. Charlie Daniel said so. Rest in peace. You're damn right. Another great East Tennessee man. Mm. <laughs> Actually, I think I'm from North Georgia, but anyway, we, we claim him anyway. And um, he was a Tennessee <laughs> fan. And then and he goes straight into banjo and guitar. And he's also playing with this nine-year-old that is just completely holding his own. And, mm. refers, and, and Roy Clark's, and it also shows the brilliance of him in his performance. It, it shows that he could perform because he's, because he's doing a lot of facials and doing a lot of body acting while in playing at an insanely high level. Yeah. And I feel like that's the biggest one. And then also the, uh, the, the rag that you did in the beginning is also just melts your brain on how amazing his musicianship, his ability to play an incredibly fast song to begin with even faster yeah <laughs> and and no no mistake proficient i'm glad that you mentioned his performance because i know that the wings of pegasus uh youtube channel actually broke down the performance and playing style of roy clark he's a guitar player too and he was just praising roy's performance roy's style one of my favorite guitar players is john five who okay. people know from rob zombie marilyn manson even david lee roth 
In fact, buy this album <laughs> if you can find it. John Five's playing on it is amazing. But John Five was the guitar player that opened me up to chicken picking. Okay. And Roy was one of the best. He was the I king would say of chicken picking. Uh, chicken picking. He, he was the king of picking. We, we just call it picking out here. P-I-K-I-N. We just call it picking. P-I-K-I-N. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you, we don't we don't we don't use that G word out here. We don't we don't use that ing very well. We do a lot of in. We do a lot of eating, fishing, hunting, finger licking. I'm not gonna <laughs> say the other thing. But anyway, you know what happens with finger licking. Anyway, um <laughs> but uh and, 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 and hi milfs. Anyways. <laughs> anyway, um God almighty. <laughs> that's what uh, I think I think a lot of people missed with hee haw, because like I actually got into Hee Haw not because of Roy Clark. The dime bag was, was for me. I love Conway Twitty. I love Conway Twitty. I love that pompadour. I love his songs because I know they come from the heart, and I know that he was definitely sleeping around on all these women he's making love songs with. Oh, them rhinestone suits, though. Yo, oh my god! Do not be hating on this on Conway Twitty's. Drip, I'm not okay? hating, but you know, I just wish Seth MacFarlane would stop with the Conway Twitty. Not ever. That's my favorite part of the Conway Twitty references. Okay, I love me some Conway Twitty. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Conway Twitty. Nice to see. Right, stop that. Silly. One of those scenes is is Conway Twitty on Hee Haw. And that's right. like, oh, sh- oh, shit, I remember Hee Haw. So then I started watching Hee Haw and I started watching Picking and Greening with Buck Owens and, and Roy Clark. And I'm just like, holy shit, this is really good. And I started watching more Roy Clark. And then it just, it's the rabbit hole. I fell down into it. And I was like, uh, Roy Clark is, it needs to be recognized here. And I will fight on this hill. I'm will, with you on that fight, I will, dude. I will, I will BTS Army Roy Clark all day long. I don't care. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm with you on that fight. I've vocally expressed my distaste for certain institutions of the music industry, such as the Grammys and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, because I feel it's like an exclusive, dare I say, boys club, where you need to cater to a certain ideology to be even recognized by Rolling Stone as someone worthwhile of going in. I remember at one point they said they would never allow bands like Rush or Journey in. Meanwhile, they had to eat their words because Mm -hmm. the fans voted them in. Fans voted them in. Fans voted Def Leppard in. When you don't have Frank Zappa and Ginger Baker in the damn thing. How do you not have Frank Zappa in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? How do you not have Ginger Baker Cream was inducted? Cream was, but I'm talking Ginger Baker with his other stuff, like the Ginger Baker experience. There was also Air Force, I think. That was one of his bands, yes. Yes. Institutions like that remind me of the old Groucho Marx line, which I've used on Ratsai Review many times, that I would never want to join a club that would have me as a member. (laughs) The way I look at it, Roy Clark doesn't need the validation of these institutions, as I mentioned. We're still talking about him. I hope that Roy Clark fans find this video and realize that we're praising the talents and skill and performances of this man. To me, the true Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is the love from the people. I mean, dude, we're talking about him like he's an urban legend. And he toured, you know, like, you know, let's let's see the people who actually respected him. Guys like Waylon Jennings, guys like Conway Twitty, guys like Hank Williams Jr. Jimi Hendrix, you mentioned. Jimi Hendrix, guys like that, that actually, you know, were on stage with him and actually could see his talent in real life. Did he take his music worldwide? I don't think he did. I think he pretty much stayed in Nashville for most of it. I will be honest. 
living in Tennessee is pretty awesome. <laughs> Visiting Tennessee was pretty awesome. Living here is pretty awesome too. I like living here. So, you know, that's why I've kind of stayed. You get comfortable, you get into your niche and you, you get this comfortable life out here. Why do I want to leave? Why do I want to go tour? Why do I want to go and spend God knows how many hours away from my wife, family, and, and, and the good life? Or I could just play guitar on a Saturday night at the Opry and go home 20 minutes away. Before the pandemic, I was gigging every weekend. It started to feel like a chore after a while, just because it kind of felt lifeless playing like the same stuff over and over again. Mm -hmm. I can remember at one point I played to 200 people at the Crazy Donkey, which was one of the bigger clubs out here on Long Island. And then a week later, I played another club where I played to like five people. That still wasn't enough to make me lose my love for it. But I think for me, what happened was playing the same stuff and not getting any better. Mm -hmm. I've always been someone who likes to challenge himself. When it stops becoming a challenge, that's when it stops becoming fun for me. Mm -hmm. I will fully admit, full disclosure, I discovered Roy Clark during the pandemic. So yeah. I am very new to the game. And that's why I brought James on here because he truly is a subject matter expert at this. So I thought having him on would have been very important because it's what the show is all about. Opening up people's minds and thoughts to stuff that they normally wouldn't or hearing it from the perspective that may not speak to the same narrative you do we bounced around a lot but my god did we cover so much ground this is one of the more fun conversations that i've ever done for the show so this is a well, blast and that's the fun thing about podcasting is that you know you have this free form it's less like a chore and it's more fun you know like for me i i enjoy not being able to be just held down to one topic. Yes, yes, we could just talk about Roy Clark and we could be in and out in 20 minutes and be, and be good to go. Or we can expand it and show that Roy Clark's playing opened up a whole tapestry of different genres and different, you know, different ways of thinking and different ways of playing. Like I would have never had respected the free form of picking and all that kind of like a, a, a different version of American jazz if I didn't, you know, listen to a bunch of Coltrane and not like it. My views on jazz are a little different because our local public radio station plays a shit ton of it. <laughs> and I listen to it all the time. <laughs> Believe it or not, up here, it's top 40 pop music, classic rock, and Christian. Yeah, no. And I don't like any of it. <laughs> uh, ours is, uh, you get country, and then you get a little bit more country, and then you got public radio, which is classical music and, and jazz. And now the sounds of spraying from Mozart. Sorry, I couldn't. Think. Yeah, well, pretty much, and 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 the wonderful sounds of Johann Sebastian Bach. <laughs> you have to get, you have to get is, that. Yeah, is my voice driving you crazy? Is this ASMR? Where's Romy Rain? <laughs> oh God! Oh man, I did not know you were going to go in the philorotic part of the whisper talk. Thank you very much. Only when discussing <laughs> Romy Rain and possibly Dolly Parton. Hey, in Dollywood, one of the roller coasters actually has a double mountain bit and they, and they do call it the tribute no, to dolly no Parton. no yes, no yes. no look no. at look at look at look at the ride design of lightning rod so it's a launch roller coaster but you go up the hill and i don't know if anybody knows about the area of pigeon forest and smoky mountains it's extremely hilly like extremely hilly like if you go to the university of tennessee my magical walk it was great you walked uphill both ways and so you get hills on top of hills and kind of so like you, dolly hey hey oh <laughs> kind of like my first wife anyway, um so hey. you, go, you go you go over the first crest and then you go through a dip of a valley and then you go up the, the other hill then you go down the main drop so it is a double mountain no wonder everybody's <laughs> knocking mad boots hey now
<laughs> All the mountains you're climbing. Hey, and, and then, whoa! And what then was we, I getting then, at? I wasn't and, and then, going and then anywhere converted with it. <laughs> oh my goodness! But <laughs> it was great being able to discuss this and even break my narrative a little bit, hearing it from a from a fan's perspective, but also a fellow music lover and a musician. So I might not, I might not have been as professional as you were, but I, I, I was not okay. that professional. <laughs> Well, you should, if, you're not, if you're not used to professionalism, well, go listen to my podcast. No, I, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. If you I, can't I, tell, I mean, Bracho was one of my favorite comedians growing up as well. So I, like, I, I know. I think that's why we get along so well. You know, yeah. aside from our love of music and wrestling, it's the freaking Marx Brothers all day, baby. That's yeah, great oh shit. Yeah. Horace Feather is still one of my favorite freaking films of all time. I know it's, what, it's, I know it's number four in your group. but you oh, Yes, know. but it is my favorite football movie of all time. <laughs> Well, men weren't supposed to cry during movies, and then they made the movie Rudy. He's so little. I'm well, sorry, it's not Rudy. I mean, what do you want me to say? No, no, Rudy sucks. <laughs> there, you heard it. I said it. Rudy sucks. There, fight me. That's Fight right. Packs. Forget what the Squatch guy said. This is why we do wrestling show is because I get an actual wrestler in there and then me who's just this kid that needed Ritalin so bad when I was younger. I needed something. <laughs> I was the kid that would run outside in northern Nevada with like a stick pretending it was an airplane for God's sakes. They just would like send him outside. Just do something. <laughs> just don't get bit by a rattlesnake. Just go have fun. Just do something. Get out of my hair for five minutes. There and you go. So, my dad was so cheap, he bought the cheapest cable station he could get back in the mid-90s, and that was TBS. So I got to watch WCW back when Dusty Rhodes was on commentary, and I mean the worst commentary ever. 605 on the mothership. Why does Dusty get so much hate for his commentary? Because he doesn't speak English. But I loved it. Oh, it was great. I got to watch like Saturday night and in the in the Sunday preview for the pay-per-view, and it was always like Braun the Leprechaun, Faces of Fear in a squash match, and just like... That type of stuff. And the Renegade versus Zodiac and shit like that. Oh, God. <laughs> God damn it. Why did the barber turn into that? And then he turned into freaking... The uh, Booty Man right after booty that. Booty Man. Oh, and then it? The Disciple. Then the Disciple. Then he went Lorenzo Lamas. I forgot that. The other Renegade. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the Ultimate Warrior in my ass. Fuck you, Eric Bischoff. <laughs> <laughs> I never got to watch WWE wrestling. So, like, when Eric goes on his freaking, you know, rants, I'm just like, I'm like, uh-huh. Okay, you're talking to the one poor kid who didn't freaking have USA Network, all right? Kind of noticed you tune on at that point. My dad, we watched WWE growing up because my dad knew I liked Hulk Hogan. As I mentioned to you in EA before, two of my dad's favorite wrestlers were Dusty Rhodes and Terry Funk, Mm -hmm. with the third one being Bruno. Shocker, the foreign Mediterranean superstar in in the WWE. But two of the greatest Southerners ever to hit the squared circle as well. Yes. Yeah. I asked my dad, what made you not talk in the style of Dusty and Terry Funk calling everybody brother? He said, I watched too much Bruno. <laughs> <laughs> and, then he hit, and then he hit you with some baklava. <laughs> that reminds me, I got to go to the Greek bakery tomorrow. Anyways. Uh, oh, so that, I had this perfect shirt for you. It was a half Greek flag and a half Tennessee orange tea in the shirt. I'm going to piss off Greek a lot Tennessee. of New Yorkers with that. Yes, yeah, send them my way. <laughs> Some Greek lady was wearing it. And I was like, I need to find where she got this shirt. I bet it's at the church. I bet it is. I'm like, we got more Greeks. I was about to take a picture and be like, we got more Greeks, Lou. 
I want to troll the people up here. Absolutely. This has been a really fun episode. James, I really can't thank you enough for joining me and talking music. Well, if you think about it, in this conversation alone, we've talked about Roy Clark, we've talked about Dolly Parton, we've talked about jazz, we've talked about country, we've talked about experiences as high school musicians and just what the scenes were like for us growing up. You know, we covered a lot of ground. You look like you covered a lot of ground yourself. You better be there. Here, there's a taxi cab waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know why I just broke into a line from Duck Soup, but it was it was fitting. But uh, James, uh, please plug away. Where can the good people find you? Well, the people will find us on Rat Salad Review Network, also under Beyond Bushido. You can find us on our Facebook page, Beyond Bushido, where we do our live streaming shows every Tuesday night at 8.05. You can also find us on Twitch and on Periscope at JL103, which is mine because I was too lazy to make one. We also have a YouTube page. However, our YouTube page keeps on getting blocked, so we can't do much on that, so... We say, we say patui to the YouTube. And then you can also uh, find us on um, all the podcasting things, Apple, Google, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast for some reason loves us. And I don't know why it's like five random UK people <laughs> that love us from over there. And you can just find us over there. Just search for Beyond Bushido. We promised one day to get back to Japanese MMA. However, we're on this wrestling kick and it's just too much fun to not do it because I feel like we did three ECW episodes. I don't know if you watched the one where where I picked my own matches and I picked two ECW matches Mm -hmm. and it was Lance Storm getting launched to the freaking moon by a former Tennessee football player, Doug Furness. A great underrated talent, Doug Furness. Very missed. Yes, very missed. A man who held the the lifting records at the University of What was it, 550 pounds? Something, yeah, uh, that was his bench press, yeah. His deadlift was pretty heavy too. I think, it, was like, right? it was like 900 pounds. Yeah, that's what it was. It was, it was yeah, right. But so he had he had the records at UT until guys like Albert Hainsworth and John Henderson, guys who would play in football, came in and kind of broke those records. So, <laughs> so yeah, he got beat by professional athletes, Hall of Famers actually. But we do a lot of that. Uh, I feel like uh, we're, we are going to get back into the Pride Fund in the UWFI now that our blood sport fix has been itched. They can get back into that fun, which we will actually be showing those fights instead of just watching Ultimate Warrior B-movies and Roddy Piper B-movies. <laughs> I didn't know Ultimate Warrior did any B-movies. Oh, you need to watch our episode two weeks ago. We were watching Bloodsport 4 and we were showing his YouTube movie Powerline or it was like an 80s movie where he played like some assassin in a Bloodsport. Wow, I'll have to check that out. Oh, right, it was cool. amazing. He stabbed somebody in the heart with a claymore. It was great. Nice. But I know Game Changer Wrestling is going to have their annual Bloodsport event. I'm not sure if John Moxley is going to be on it. but Slay will be on it. Okay. But I also know that at the next AEW, All Elite Wrestling pay-per-view, apparently it's a barbed wire exploding ring death match between him and Kenny Omega. I would like your thoughts on that. It's going to be some imitation version of Anita's FMW exploding barbed wire matches. I have this feeling it's going to be more like the TNA electrified. Oh God. Oh God. No, no, no. I I see it going more that way than I do the FMW one because the FMW one was amazing. Yeah. I don't see this happening. FMW, IWA Japan, that was the epoch, I think, of barbed wire deathmatch wrestling. I think their best one was their Wrestle Kingdom match with him and Chono. The entrances itself were so great. It was amazing. If anyone needs context as to what we're talking about, there was a barbed wire deathmatch that was streamed on Twitch. It was the wrestlers who at one point were known as EYFBO, Entertain Your Fucking Balls Off. 
who were one of the bigger attractions on the Northeast independent wrestling scene. I think it was them and Homicide versus the team formerly known as OI4K, Ohio is for Killers, which is the Chris brothers, Jake and Dave, <laughs> and um, <laughs> Sammy Callahan. <laughs> To him too. Yeah, and it was the lamest barbed wire match I had ever seen. And I had seen some great ones. How lame was it? There was no blood. How do you have a barbed wire match and nobody bleeds? I feel like that's kind of the prerequisite. Like, I'm not the biggest deathmatch fan. I'm just really, I'm not. Uh, if, if you can't tell from my whole thing, I get very squeamish around actual open cuts, even though I'm coming from a military guy, you know, shooting somebody's a lot different than physically cutting them and it's also different when you're in life and death situations right and i'm only speaking of the realism of the fact i I just feel like it's insulting the fans intelligence because barbed wire matches were meant to end feuds and they would end in a blood war the way they were built up it was a blood feud yeah so for them to end it on such a low note i respect pro wrestlers i respect the game i respect what they do but if there's one thing i hate it's when my intelligence is insulted. I refer to it as the Talladega Knights Ricky Bobby answer of that's dumb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it. That's dumb. And right. I mean, I mean, what, what do I expect more from the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, the greatest NFL franchise known to humanity? <laughs> okay. I mean, they put the Haslam's and the Browns to shame. All right. They're they're worse than that. And how do you pull that one off? Because that's pretty bad. Because the Haslam's have been ruining the University of Tennessee and Knoxville. I will bring it back, damn it. I will bring it back. Is that they've been ruining the University of Tennessee for the last 15 dang years. And so now they get to ruin the Cleveland Browns. And they actually do good there. I'm pissed. It's the greatest Tennessee luck ever. He's taking it back, ladies and gentlemen. He's taking it back. Just give me it. If you don't give him that respect, he'll take it. Anyway. I'll, t- I'll take it with my boot up your ass. EA took me to New York once. I apologize. <laughs> it was great. No, so I'm in a, I'm in my Scion XA that still runs, by the way. This dude in a freaking New Jersey freaking freight truck tries to back up into my damn intersection. Mm-hmm. And I lay in the horn because I'm, you know, the Californian comes out and I just lay in the horn. And All he right. just, and, and it, 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 it just looks over at me and goes, that was very New Yorker of you. <laughs> so I just be and go, what the fuck? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. You fit right just, in. That's like the scene from Coming to America where he stops it. They freaking he goes out and goes, "You dumb fuck!" Greatest line in that movie, though. Hello, world. Fuck you. Yes, fuck you too. Shit, this girl goes, "I love it here in New York," and he goes, "Shut the fuck up." That was great. <laughs> Such a New York answer. I heard that was staged. And yeah, it was funny exactly was it funny it did its purpose it made you laugh don't exactly. question it it made me remind me of new york and and reminded me that i could trigger any new yorker in 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 two words or less yes and <laughs> <laughs> what those two words are you come up with your own conjecture it's fine because it'll work anyway chicago pizza <laughs> and <Anchor>. uh, <laughs> it's not pizza <laughs> it's not pizza that's right. Eat him up, puppy. Eat him up. <laughs> she's actually an old lady. She's over, she's over 10 years old. She's beautiful. Yeah, she's my baby. I was like, mm, I gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> oh, Anyways, it's a big one this time. Please, when you have a chance, check out Beyond Bushido. It is, I think, and I'm not saying this because of bias, in terms of entertainment quality, in terms of introspectiveness, and in terms of plain hilarity and enjoyment, it is my favorite wrestling podcast. And I subscribe to a lot of them. 
and it's the one you I hear, look forward you to. You hear that, week. Jim Cornette? Ha ha! Tennessee beat you again, you fucker. Louisville slugger, my ass. Anyways, <laughs> take a Louisville might, slugger he and might, stick he it. Might, he might like that, so. <laughs> oh no, he might say this and say, thank you, fuck you, bye. Thank you, fuck you, bye. <laughs> He'll probably say that. <laughs> yeah, because we're definitely an outlaw mud show, but I don't care. We're way better uh, that's than true. We are, we are the outlaw mud shows of the podcast world. We, and you we know are, what? We however, like it. We are a higher class of mud shows, okay, sir? We're not the Ian Rotten version. We're the uh, Dennis really, Corbuzos. You know, if he didn't shock me with the Ian Rotten statement, he definitely got me with the fucking Dennis Corluzzo. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, why, why don't you just go ahead and say Kevin Brandon of IWA Deep South while you're at it? Why don't I? Why don't I just go with freaking any of the Deep South or Lariato pros or any of the new freaking ones down south that they freaking keep dragging up? I remember. Uh, when e, I remember when EA took me to an NWA Charlotte event. I was like, "What the fuck is this shit?" And what was it like? I scared Jim Cornette because I, I'm legitimately when I was at that time I was six foot and 180 pounds of muscle because I was doing jujitsu every day. Nice. So I park in the back for him, and I need to go get like chapstick or something. I don't know what the heck. I need something out of the car. And so he's blocking the doorway and he's bullshitting with somebody. I don't know who it was. I didn't really care. I was just waiting politely because, you know, military training, I can wait there for a little while, but it's like 10 minutes goes on. And I'm just like, okay, I need to get through here. I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, excuse me, sir. I just yell, excuse me, sir. And he turns around with this shocked face looking at me going, well, you're a big enough son of a bitch. You can just get right by me. I'm like, well, I'm not just going to throw you. What the fuck? Notice he always tries to pick a fight with everybody. And I he swear to God, he was a Napoleonic to pick a- complex. He wasn't trying to pick a fight with me, or if he was, I, I wasn't. I wasn't expecting that. I think he was legitimately. Fe- you can see that in his eyes. He was afraid for his life because he. Because I was just like, I've got a foot on him. <laughs> did he think you were one of the boys, or? I think he did. I was six foot and one hundred and eighty pounds of muscle at the time. So yeah, he just... you, you should have said, "All right, what was my pay? Did you <laughs> did, did you work yet? Yeah. What name did you go by? Buck naked, the porno actor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, here's your fifty, dude. That would have been your uh, merch money right there. Why would I need that? I figured it was, I was, I had my military money. I didn't care. I've seen some shit, man. What was the line from Ghostbusters that Winston said? I've seen shit that would turn you white. Is that what he said? Yes. Oh my God. You know, <laughs> I, I really do have high hopes for the new Ghostbusters film, especially with Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd and possibly Rick Moranis are involved. Possibly. I don't know. You know, rest in peace, Harold Ramis. Who oh, wait, Ernie it? Hudson's still alive. Oh, uh, Ernie Hudson's still alive? Okay, I thought he was dead, too. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, okay, so, yeah, bring Winston back, too. We love him. He was great. Yeah, yeah bring back Winston. I mean, if you're going to do the whole thing. And, 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 and honestly, I didn't really care. I didn't watch the other Ghostbuster movie. I, I kind of saw it as what it was going to be. It was going to be a train wreck to begin with. Yeah. And it yeah. wasn't because of feminism or anything like that. It was just going to no, be it, a train wreck. It's like what they say about music in general. There's good music and there's music you don't like. There's movies that we like. There's movies that we don't like. Why don't we like certain movies? The writing, the acting, the execution, all those things take into account. You can't force someone to like something because you have an agenda. It doesn't work that way. I tell people all the time, if I get people who like the show, Music is Life, if they subscribe to it, if they look forward to listening to it every weekend, I'm grateful. I'm not naive to think that I'm here to change the world or try to save lives and make a difference. This is a a passion project for me. I'm not here to try to to push any kind of agenda except spread my love for music to anyone who's willing to listen. People aren't interested. All right. I'm still here. I'm not going anywhere. At the same time, though, I realize 
that I'm not making this for everybody. And I'm mm-hmm. okay with that. But when you're doing something like a film and your end goal is profit, give the people what they want. You know, give them a good story, give them good acting, give them something that they could talk about and not in a negative way when they leave the theater. Yeah, I made the joke. We went and saw the new when when Disney came out with the live action Dumbo movie. I made the joke of every kid in there did not understand why their parents are crying. (laughs) Right there is the face. I see it. Yeah, Bambi will never be played in my home. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'll play the Bumby's mom episode from Animaniacs, but I won't play Bambi. (laughs) Oh, Animaniacs is such a good show. Bumby's mom, Bumby's mom. Get a load of this kid. (laughs) I love Slappy Squirrel. Hey, Slappy, I think I'm going to be sick. Dissolve to the next scene. My parents really thought it was a great idea to give me Hunter S. Thompson books when I was 14. And that was a really terrible idea. That explains a lot. <laughs> it does it. It does, doesn't it? When one of your first books you ever read is better than sex. That, that, your that, parents that, are awesome. I can read anything from Victor Davis Hanson to George R. R. Martin and not even bat an eye. I was blue-pilled so freaking quick. It was doing <laughs> a head spin. I'm actually reading on my Kindle app. I'm reading Van Halen Rising which is about what it was like for the boys when they first started, when they first met up with Dave, how many times they rejected Dave from joining the van. And the only reason why they brought Dave along, he was the only guy with a PA system because his daddy had money. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, it was still better than Sammy Hagar, whatever they did. But I digress. (laughs) My wife was reading the dirt. She goes, this stuff can't be real. And I'm like, oh, it's all real. I'm like, just wait till you get the Aussie part. (laughs) I just read the the dirt. dirt Olympics. I read the dirt and I've heard from Jakey Lee, he has said in interviews that it's possible that the events of the ant snorting and the urine snorting were highly exaggerated. I don't know if I'm prone to believe Jakey Lee about that because I don't think he would have any reason to lie. But then I remind myself, it's Molly Crew and Ozzy Osbourne. What's not to say they didn't? They were having a competition of who could do the most drugs. Oh, who could outgross each uh, Oh, I forgot. It was outgrossed it too, yeah. I will not put that past them. I choose to believe that thing. I choose to believe Santa Claus is real in that point. I believe Santa Claus is real in that point and do not ever freaking tell me otherwise. I do not want my innocence shattered that these degenerate human beings did degenerate human being things. Well, I will not say it, but I will say this though. The book was better than the movie. I can only imagine that. I don't, yeah, that's, that's what most books. I mean, even the freaking dust darn Lord of the Rings had freaking, where, where were the trees at? I want my trees. I want my walking, talking trees and more than just one scene. Yeah. They were a big part of the end of the third book. Oh, the, spoiler alert. Oh, sorry. You haven't read it in 40 damn years. <laughs> You've had time. It's been 40 damn years. Even the Solomarian was out since then. Come on. I, it's taking me 30 years to read that book. I still can't finish it. Because that does that book, okay, I'm sorry. When Tolkien dies in the middle of it and the kid has to bring it, bring her home, I'm sorry. Yeah, I can't read that book either. No, okay. I will listen to Blind Guardian's Nightfall in Middle Earth, though. That tells the story of the Silmarillion. I still don't know what the fuck's going on, but it's a great album. <laughs> so that's like me reading Victor Davis Hanson while listening to Sabaton. Cool. <laughs> All the praise in the world to Beyond Bushido. James, I can't thank you enough for doing the show with me tonight. Thank uh, you so much. Yeah, I'll be honest. The way you praise Beyond Bushido, we heap the praise onto you because your, your show is awesome because it's real. 
Thank you. Um, and that, that that is the biggest compliment I can give to most podcasts is that you're real. You're not trying to put on an act. You're really burying your soul in, into this. And and that's why I think it's it's way more successful than our our little our little fun fun time we have every Tuesday nights will ever be because we're we're just oh. out there having fun, you know, enjoying and entertaining ourselves because it's it's like during the pandemic we get to do you know facetiming and calls every every hour and a half on tuesday nights what you're watching on our show is really me and in ea what we would do on a weekday while he's driving to god knows wherever in the middle of bumfuck nowhere i always have a blast every time i come on the show so you know thank you for all the times you've had me on if you ever want to have me back on i'd love to be on and invitations open to you and ea anytime Oh, absolutely. And next time I got to remember when I go to uh, eat some gyros, actually, that's the part of that, that whole bit. I was actually at a Greek restaurant getting my gyro while I saw that video. And I was like, send, 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 send. And next thing you know, we're like, the, the ball was down the hill already. You know, though, it's funny because the, the context of that video was that gyro, it was apparently a, it was a reality yeah. thing on TBS where he was actually trying to promote a local business to get them some loot during the pandemic so mm -hmm. you know i mean we make fun of it because well i mean it's jaw rule how's a new yorker not know greek food especially one from queens yeah exactly from there's a queen there's a fucking diner every other block it's like a starbucks in manhattan you can't go anywhere without seeing it three hours later james thank you <laughs> so much i know for, you've been uh, trying to end this for an hour and i just keep going well it's the irish goodbye you know I, I, I... <laughs> james thank you for coming on the show <laughs> and also want to drop some love to some of the other ratsaw review shows including the right opinion you know what i enjoy him even though I completely disagree with, I'll say about a good solid 90% of what he had, what comes out of his mouth. Right. I actually enjoy that show. I enjoy it because I enjoy differing opinions, even though I believe it's completely wrong. I still enjoy it because I'm an open-minded individual, obviously, because I was completely abused as a child reading some really op mind opening stuff when I probably shouldn't have been reading that stuff. <laughs> Did you read so Lady Chatterley's Lover? <laughs> Of course I did. I knew it. <laughs> of course. Of course. I had to read all a bunch of that crazy stuff. Except for Atlas Shrug. I still have not read that crap. I actually own that in the Fountainhead. I haven't opened them yet. I admit the only reason why I got them was because I'm a Rush fan. So I think the right opinion, whether you agree with it or disagree with it, I think it's important for one to question their narrative. Yes. Because if you refuse to hear the alternative to what you know, then how can you say you're open to learn anything? You know, exactly. I mean, there's got to be something of value in anything, you know, there is. So. there is. That's why I don't say he's wrong in anything. That's why I say I disagree with it. I, that's a very mature way to look at it. It is very, it's very mature because because uh, in, in the long consumer things. Now, granted, um, my favorite Rat Salad Review show um that also is on here is suck my balls podcast i love those guys those guys are gonna, freaking awesome those guys are straight killing it yeah everything they're doing they work so dang hard and like i just had i messaged msg about some of the sponsorships he got and he sent me all this information i'm just like bro <laughs> like i have day jobs <laughs> stop <laughs> like so much information Yes, Suck My Balls, the South Park podcast that's on Ratside Review. Please check them out as well. Timo Toki apparently came back for one episode. 
Yes. And only one episode. Hey, you know, Timo Tolkien does Timo Tolkien things. So you know what? You, you better be happy you get one of those episodes because they are diamonds in the rough. And speaking of diamonds, you got the King Diamond podcast. This podcast belongs to them. There's also Vieira Vault with Ralph Vieira. I love Ralph. He's great. I was really happy that he partook in the Atomic Punk cover with us. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I was really happy about you guys doing the whole mismatch, having fun, freaking cover songs there because I can see that going great or horribly wrong at the same time and maybe both at also. Well, I gotta admit, there have been a couple of times Wayne dropped a song on me and I'm like, are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> You know, and then also, you know, shouts out because since now you're part of them, you got to shout out the Hammond Media Group also. We got him started, folks. We're going to claim him because he had the first episode with us. We got Hustle Rip Rogers into podcasting. Beyond Bushido did. Not anybody else. We did. Because as soon as he did our show, he started his own dang podcast because he saw how easy it was. Who is this? Hustler Rip Rogers. The man who trained Randy Orton and was an OVW trainer. Oh. Also the gentleman who, who uh, helped train the Wrestling Observer Rookie of the Year this year, Pat McAfee. A, a man who's very opinionated, but also extremely smart. We have an episode with him that he actually breaks down some of his characters and development and everything. And he was really smart. He went from being really the strong style stuff to going straight gimmick, brother. He went straight gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> when Eric goes off on impersonating some of the Southern wrestlers, oh, I have he starts to doing brother, over. brother. Oh, yes, it's I have great. to pull over. I can't. You go in there, right, brother, the other up. big mullet. I'm down, got... big brother. I got a mullet just like you, brother. Hold on, oh, brother. Hold on. That's too much, brother. Shit. Hey, ref, what the fuck, brother? Here, oh. dude, kill me. Shit. All right, brother. Hold on. Let's just work this. Okay, there. You see, I'm working the leg, brother. I'm not trying to hurt you. Shit, brother. Keep stealing salad. Fuck. <laughs> If you don't sell it, if you don't sell this shit, Dundee's going to kick you out of the territory, brother. I'm trying to get you in. Randy Hales just bought the company, brother, and he's talking about giving us contracts. We're talking $35,000 a year guarantee, brother. So, like, like, there's times when he says, help me here, folks. And it's like, what am I going to bring to this? Yes, there's some things your ADHD are good for. Just keep rolling, keep rolling. It's actually funny for me, like you get this, you show here how freaking scatterbrained, shotgun brained I am. And yet he's worse. And yet we make a show work. <laughs> Remember, I've known him longer. I know how. You're his first handler. I was just I was just another one in the line, man. Payback of a misspent youth. I don't know. <laughs> oh no, no, no. He's he's definitely the litmus test uh for many reasons. Yeah. He's yeah, my lit he's my that. litmus test only because my wife was the first woman who thought of him as absolutely revolting. <laughs> a lot of my friends in high school did too, but I only have very few friends from high school that I still talk to, and he's one of them. Oh, no, 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 not, not in a bad way. She, she just did not find him sexually attractive at all. So he was, that's why I call him the litmus test. Cause I, I found out a long time ago, a woman that is attracted to him has some deep seated issue that I can't fix. And thus she is not my wifey material. <laughs> well, I'm glad that my wife hasn't seen him yet. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. I did my, I did my research. <laughs> Uh, but you know, though, my wife loves Shih Tzus and she says, you're like a Shih Tzu except a uh, human form. I'm like, thanks. So that's, uh, that's supposed to be a compliment. Well, you see my dog. He's adorable. That's I got a Bichon. It's freaking they're adorable, but I don't want to be called the Bichon. Well, 
I don't want to be called Snaggletooth from the Motorhead album covers either. I think EA fits that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to so you. I love you, Eric. I love you, man. I'm sorry. I'm going to do it. It's going to freaking come out tomorrow. I'm just going to shiv him. Wait for 8.05 Eastern time. I'm going to shiv him right there. On the mother tip. On the mother tip, baby. We're going to get him. I'm going to stab him right there in the belly welly. Some other podcasts I've been listening to that I want to drop some love for. Finn McKenty over at Punk Rock NBA. Toby Morse from H2O over at One Life, One Chance. Ray Goots with his podcast, The Goots Cast and Goots Disney Podcast. I need the, to watch that one. I'm big I'm big into Disney. The Josta Show with Jamie Haypreed. The Traders Mind Chat Show with my brother-in-law, Michael Lamov, and his amazing wife, Melissa Kutch who I'm actually going to have on the podcast to discuss the novels, the young adult novel series that she wrote called The Hypothesis of Giants. So we're going to be talking about that. Definitely check out What Happened When with Tony Schiavone and Conrad Thompson. That's a funny-ass podcast. That one's really good. Um, I've actually listened to a couple of episodes of that. The problem is with mine is, is that I drive into work working in IT, I listen to CyberWire every morning because it gives you the most up-to-date on cyber threats. Mm. And for me, that's kind of like, I got to do that for work. But then uh, then it turns into like a zero block 30 for me. I love, I love what Barstool does. I know they might be complete D-bags and everything, but damn it, does zero block 30 hilarious. And so is uh, Troops' new one from Arsenal Fan TV. Right. He's, he's hilarious because he's I, I used to watch him on youtube on arsenal fan tv when they would get when when especially when arsenal lost and he would just go on these rants about how bad they're playing and just mm-hmm. like the the oh this this, this this blood and this this femme and <laughs> just that that north london slash cockney yeah african you know, the, the, the african influence accent of the english is just oh. and his rants are amazing you don't have to tell me about Cockney. I watch Peppa Pig with my daughter all the time. I hear it all I the time. I am so sorry. Just it's all right. Just, I just, just hope just, God has a place up in heaven for me. Just sneak in a little bit of the Peaky Blinders. You'll be okay. <laughs> You'll be able to listen to them more. Also want to drop some love for the Good News crew, uh, Cindy Gyrum and Matt Michelow, and Danny Diablo, a.k.a. Lord Ezek of Scarhead and Crown of Thorns, and Diablo's Den podcast, and Jan Bushido. Hey! I, Hey, those are my other, those are the ones I, I post on. So, so if you do see that, if you go to Rat Salad Review, you get the most up-to-date episodes. And then if you see those ones you see, those are like about a month, month and a half behind. So that I, you know, like I keep everything on Rat Salad Review fresh. And then if you see those, those are me trying to catch up, catch back up and get more listeners. So that's my evil ploy. Well, you know, hey, James, like me, we do our show through Anchor.fm, and it's great to know that I have a fellow Anchor brother here. So, yeah, dang right, because you know what? You know, the best part about Anchor is it's, it's free. free. Exactly. We like free. You like free. Everybody likes free, and he also gets some money off of it. I think I got like a whole two bucks. It's awesome. I think I worked my way up to eight dollars and thirty-five cents. Ooh, you can actually go get a gyro at the two. <laughs> Not up here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot. You got those you got those uppity New York prices. See, down here, down here, baby, down here in the south, you can actually get that. You can actually get a good meal there, daddy. Please subscribe to the Music is Live podcast on YouTube. Subscribe to the show and Ratsaw Review Network so you can hear all the shows on every available podcast format from iTunes to Google to Amazon to 
Pandora. Maybe we'll get as many listens as Trap does. Maybe. Let's not get headstrong about it. I mean, why don't you just go with Taproot and just write a poem about it? Touche, James. Touche. <laughs> on that note, show's over. All right. <laughs> James, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, dude, thank you so much. That was really fun. I enjoyed have, that a lot. Have a good night, everyone. <laughs> See you we we oh. want you to watch this footage. We just want to get your natural reaction. I'm afraid. So good. It makes you want to slap your mama. Pop Christos got the Is best that your rule? You ever ate your life so good that when it thinks of you got to have Peter's. Peter's! Pop Christos, Peter's! They got everything. I'm going to just give you a rundown of some of my favorites. They got Taziki. Octopod. Hold on. Octopod Kia. Well, uh, whatever. But it's good. Octopod Kia. Apple I Mono. Pizza. And they got wine too. I'm telling you. Come meat on, pie. You say meat pie is You can't even pronounce the food. It's so damn good. Show them what you working with, Papa. Show them how you do it. Hey, Papa. Hey, where are you? Papa Fish, are you here? Papa, Papa, Papa Fish, are you here? Come on down to Papa Fish. Is that West Boulevard Pico. Or you can call right now and get it delivered. Papa Cristo. Oh, make you want to do the thing. See the videos logo ah, right here. Bah. Oh, bah. Oh, bah. Oh, Louis, my virgin eyes. Uh, what are your feelings on this video, sir? Hold on, hold on, Louis. James, what are you eating? The wonderful baklava. Oh, delicious. Gaudioxy. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Louis. As you were saying. Hold on, hold on, Renee. What are you eating now? Oh, I'm just enjoying some uh, Oikos uh, Greek yogurt. I approve. Oh, okay. okay. It's delicious. How's your souvlaki, Eric? What are you talking about? I don't have As you were saying. I knew it. It was a fucking souvlaki. What, what you got there, uh, Eric? Are you? <laughs> what you got there, EA? EA, that looks delicious, bro. That What's looks that? Is that, is, is that is really good. Oh, yeah. shit. You got a fucking oh. gyro? Wait, wait, wait. Chicken, lamb, or beef? Lamb. Good, good. We just wanted to get your opinions. I've seen worse. Were you offended by the fact that Ja Rule's originally from Queens and he still doesn't know what the hell half the Greek food is? I don't think there's... Uh, he's from Jamaica originally, right? Jamaica, Queens. I don't think there's many Greek restaurants around there, so I can't blame him. It looks mm-hmm. like it was something like... Maybe freaking uh, Yanni went up to him and said, we need celebrity spokesperson. Can you help us out here? And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> <laughs> how many... Over under on how many malakas that, that Papa Cristo has said to Ja Rule? I don't know, but that, for me, that gets 100 malakas. <laughs> it's funny. Like, when I was at St. John's, I used to love, you know, going to the Red Storm games. But then I started filming the Red Storm games for the TV club. And every time I was under the goddamn hoop, Marcus fucking Hatton constantly <laughs> fell on me. He <laughs> fell on me. Every time I had to yell at him, I'm like, is this necessary? My my buddy is the uh, photographer for the away games for the 49ers. Uh-huh. And he was the he was the guy who on NFL network that named his kid uh Willis uh uh Willis Bowman is his middle name. Okay. He was the, he asked me, he's like, What what should I name my kid? And I'm like, dude, it's your kid. What the hell are you asking me for, bro? He goes, I can't figure out the middle name. Do I do Willis or Bowman? I'm like, I don't know. Freaking figure out a combination of both. He just he just put both in there. 
But he kinda, was the well, well kind of reminds me of that movie Happy Texas with uh Steve Zahn where he's like, My name is Wayne 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 Jr. <laughs> I forgot about that movie. Go oh, boy. <laughs> uh, I love Zane movies. Oh, he's so uh, good. He is awesome. Looking for some new podcasts to listen to? Well, Rat Sound Review Network has plenty of shows to choose from. Like Rat Sound Review, where they discuss the latest rock and metal news, as well as interviews and albums. Album versus Album, the King Diamond Podcast, with Wayne Noon, Greg Noggle, and sometimes this guy. Smack him a gob! Ralph Vieira is also on our network with the Vieira Vault. There's also Old Man Metal's Musings, where he discusses heavy metal and beer. Music is Life with Lou Mavs. The Right Opinion for Those Who Love Politics, a South Park podcast called Suck My Balls, The Infinite Fringe, a watch-along wrestling show called Beyond Bushido, Extradivarius guitarist, the Timo Tolki podcast, and the great Harry Barnett with I Don't Even Like podcast and the Laugh Cast. So check out RatSoundReview.com or search RatSoundReview on YouTube, Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. 